everybody. Welcome to Whatever This Is. I'm Kate. I'm a 23-year-old working as a creative producer, editor, and writer in Los Angeles. I'm also a victim of a private education and a film degree that costs more than I'm going to be making in the next 20 years. And I'm Maddie, an anthropologist by study and a full-time teacher slash grad student by accident. I live in upstate New York, you know, the part of New York that's already Canada. Some would say that we are older, wiser, stronger, and overall more put together. I'd say we're actually just very confused. We're drowning in debt, confused by our own ambitions, and we're making everything up as we go. So what now? Well, that's what we're figuring out on this podcast. Okay, well, so now what? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Story of our life, podcast concluded. I would just like to point out that I'm recording this from a guest room in my parents' basement where my laptop and my microphone are set up on a TV tray and I'm sitting on the edge of my bed drinking a smoothie. And I'm recording this from a pile. It's me. I'm the pile. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I am the pile. (laughs) But seriously, there's so much stuff in my room right now. Like it, it looks like I'm moving either in or out. No one would really be able to tell, but there's just so much stuff in here. No, I don't think, I think for the past year, every place I've lived in looks like I'm constantly like arriving or going. It it (laughs) never looks like I live there ever. I, I moved, I graduated in May of 2019 and I moved three times in the fall, in the second half of the year, three times into three different apartments. It was not okay. I'm not okay. <laughs> you really did. And I, when I get back to Los Angeles, I'm going to get rid of a bunch of stuff so that I can be ready to move again in two months. You know, God will it. <laughs> God, like if I have to, cause, uh. We running out of money, folks. Yeah, life since graduation has literally been pure turmoil. Like I I did not settle and I think I finally feel like I'm settling, but I also have to move by like next month and I'm like, damn it. I lived on a boat for 10 days. I lived at my cousin's house for like four days. This is like right after graduation too. And then I lived at my house for like four days, but I didn't have a desk. So I lived at Jack's house for like seven days while I was studying for all my teacher tests. I also lived in the proctor room, the test proctoring room, so much so that like Ben and Nancy would be like, Madison, you're here again. You take so many tests. (laughs) Yeah, I think like immediate graduation, I was like, I, I moved to the suburbs like a fool and I, because uh, I, I, I was paying the cheapest rent you've ever, like my rent was 400, oh but I was God. in like a one and a half bedroom apartment with like four people in it. And it was not okay. I basically came home to sleep and like, I, I more, I honestly moved into my office. <laughs> I was already employed full time. So I started, I mean, they kind of figured it out, but I used to go to work and sleep in the podcast room on the couch, even in school. And so like right after graduation, I didn't know where to be. So I would just sleep at work. I moved into my office. <laughs> I love that for you. I hate it. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll talk about moving. Yay. Uh. And how no one tells you how to do it. Um, I went to two colleges and my second one is where we met. So I moved, um, technically I moved from Indiana to Illinois at, oh, so at 18, I moved from Indiana to Illinois to Florida, um, to find myself at Walt Disney World. Didn't find much. Um, (laughs) and then I moved to California in which I had never been to. I had never been farther West than St. Louis. I had never, I had just saw like a picture of the campus and I was like, same's about right. And I uh, moved. And where did you move from? <laughs> <laughs> well, I lived in California my whole life. I lived in the San Francisco Bay Area. I also went to two colleges. I guess I technically went to three if you're counting online classes. Um, so I started at community college, uh, which was. I thought the worst thing that could happen to me as a high schooler, <laughs> I was Turns like, out it was a blessing. <laughs> it truly was. I really thought it was the worst thing. I told myself throughout college, I am not going to end up in community college. And I went to the community college that I swore, I swore not to end up in. Um, Honestly, but it was great. It was great. Any- 
to anybody that hasn't like picked a college or has gone to college as a postgrad, I crave community college. I yearn mm-hmm. for it. <laughs> I, do I recommend. I look back at my life and I go, that right there seems about right. <laughs> Please go to community college for the first two years. It's not worth it. I'm oh telling you. If you don't get a full ride to a private institution, there is no difference than taking like at least your gen eds at a community college and i know people are figuring this out but Mm -hmm. let me tell you i crave it i agree as somebody who went to community college it was incredible honestly just go like suck it up you'll see the your fellow high school (laughs) classmates for maybe one two three more years it doesn't really matter that much um, check your professors on Rate My Professor and you will be fine. I had the best professors. Like You got to so look so out that, like- for the ones that are rated really highly because they're hot, though. Oh I have my- rated yes. professors five stars <laughs> based on their tattoos before. No, but so. on Rate My Professor, they have like hotness levels. Okay, the like, little okay. chili pepper. So you can prepare yourself, whatever like, that means hot, for you. Hot, but he's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when my professor... One of them, one of my favorite professors at community college first walked into class. He was like walking. He walked in from the back and he was like, hey, 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 like saying hi to everybody. And I was like, oh, who's this guy? Oh, my gosh. He's like saying hi to everybody. And then he starts setting up his stuff in front of the classroom. And I was like, what is he doing? It still didn't (laughs) register in my mind that this man was my professor. I was like, Excuse me? Do I have a complex? And I was fully prepared to drop that class as I was sitting there. And then he got up there and then he started saying words. And I was like, I'm in. You know, yeah, check the reviews. Worst papers of your life, but the view is great. (laughs) Like, you know, it helps. Yeah. And it is, it could be good to like have those extra two years to just be at your parents' house or wherever you are, save I money, wish. keep your job. I know. <laughs> like, well, I don't even want to know, like 7000 a semester for like room and board? Excuse me. No. I remember doing like the math on like what rent that would be for where I was living. And it was like above the normal median for like, <laughs> if I didn't even live on campus, it was like, I was paying like 900 in rent and all like a month. And I was like, excuse me for this life <laughs> for this, for a sink that's next to my bed. <laughs> the sink next to my bed. That part kills me. It really was right there. I loved our dorm because at least the sink had like two thirds of a wall. <laughs> to like right? shield your head from the splashes but no like that dorm we lived in for like the first year was just like it's basically like it was made out of concrete but it had the resilience of drywall so it was like <laughs> someone just sat up drywall with no infrastructure so you could like hear your neighbors six doors down there was like I could see outside if I looked at my door while it was closed I could literally see <laughs> outside somehow like, it was just glorified pieces of drywall with a bed inside next to a sink. <laughs> My blinds were so bent that, any like, I could be on the other side of the room and I could see across because – so the way that our dorms are set up, are there, like – there's a row of dorms in the back and that's the girls' dorms, the girls' side of the dorms. And then there's grass in the middle and then there's, like, a row of dorms in the front which are the boys' dorms. So it looked like a little motel, but it's kind of cute. It was like a beach motel, whatever, beach vibes motel. <laughs> but I could see through my blinds because of how bent they were directly into the boys' dorm that was in front of me. And I remember trying to get them to replace it, and the maintenance lady took my blinds off, and then she was like, actually, we literally don't have any more blinds. So she just put them back on. And like, imagine if she just took them. Like, she was like, <laughs> You don't like your blinds, then you don't get blinds. Not blinds and I'm like, for you. Yeah, I feel like from the time you're in middle school, like all through, like obviously there's like a lot more to life and a lot of people don't even go to college, but I feel like your whole life is like, you just, at least you have something to think about. You're like, all right, got to get to college. Like, I got to do this. This is like what the next two years are going to look like. This is what the next four years are going to look like. And you just focus all your energy on that. And then you graduate and they go, good luck. And you're like, excuse me. And they shove you off the stage. Your face hits the ground. And then they fine you for being on a campus that you no longer belong to. 
And then you have to be reminded of it every time you make a loan payment. <laughs> right. I remember like literally like the month before graduation panicking because I was like, I have nowhere to live. I was like, I have a car and some clothes and no one wants me. Like that's like the best and worst thing when you graduate college. It's like I always used to say that where I was like, you know, the, I've got the whole world like I in front of me. But I was like, but I also have like the entire world <laughs> in front of me and I don't know where I'm supposed to go. No one told me. People just stop. Like, you know how like you always have counselors and everything. And they're so invested in your future and they're like, we're going to get you to this and we're going to get you post-grad help or we're going to. They all leave the chat as soon as you graduate. They're just like, all right, bye. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Come back I, for me. I have been eating in a cafeteria with stable meals for four years. I've been sleeping and just charging like, like a freaking hotel for four years and charging <laughs> it to my tab that I'm now paying. I'm paying my like bar tab for college basically for the rest of my life. Yeah, you really get thrown by how little support you have after the fact because of how much support you have. Whether or not you took advantage of it in college, you just had people all the time going like, "Come to the career center. We're gonna help you find a job. We'll help you find. We'll help you fine tune your resume. Come to the writing center and the library. We'll help you edit your papers. We'll help you do this. Come to this part of campus. We'll help you this. We'll help you that." And I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm not gonna do any of that." But then you leave, and then you're like. Is anybody going to offer to help me? Hello? <laughs> and it's just radio static silence. And then exactly 12 months later, they will email you and they will ask you for more money. <laughs> but yeah, so like I graduated and I moved three times and I worked three or four jobs and everything was constantly <laughs> changing. And like I felt like I could never just like sit my stuff down and then like oh my gosh, life just punches you in the face. <laughs> it's like you lose all sense of stability and then like normal challenges like start happening, but like all at once. And so like, you know, not to, to make this personal, but it's like I leave and then it's like, oh, your health just tanks and you don't, you don't know how to use your insurance card and no mm. one takes your insurance and I don't know how mm. to book an appointment. And then, mm. you know, <laughs> and then you could be like, you know, you could be in a relationship and they're going to be like, you know, I ain't feeling it, fam. And you're like, OK, uh, but I lived with you kind of. And they're like, bye. And you're like, OK. So essentially, we lived parallel pre post-graduation lives. <laughs> it's just crazy because even post-graduation, I guess I had a plan laid out for me still because since I went into Teach for America, you have to follow their timeline basically. So it was right. like, okay, post-graduation, you have all this pre-work, you have to take all these tests, um, and then you come to the place that you were, to the region you were assigned for an intro, and then you get shipped back out to Philly for training with like all of the East Coast Teach for America people. And then they're like, oh, you don't have an apartment yet? Oh, we're, we like, we didn't give you enough time? What do you mean? You had all that time when you were in Philly to find an apartment. And I'm like, in like a state away trying to find an apartment on my own that I have never done that before. And you're now making me try. You're n I now have to do that without seeing any apartments or being in the same state as the place that I'm going to live in, which is like a normal thing people do. But you don't know that as a post-grad, like no. out of college student. And so like I was like scrambling. People were sending me videos of apartments. I was like, well, I don't know how to pick one of these. And eventually it happened. Yeah, I would have much rather taken a class in college that was like Here's the rent in the area you're thinking about living at. Here's what your credit score has to be if you want to rent. Here's how you get that credit score. Here's how like you do it. Everybody else was just like, tough luck. And like, I mean, like I definitely learned through experience. It was awful. I had no idea about moving or deposits or like anything. And like, oh, it was just crash course. Like kind of like how you did Teach for America. Like I was looking for something like that so hard because as soon as I left college I like craved structure I craved like a program like I was like someone just measure my life in units please <laughs> I really like I tried so hard to join like a filmmaking like fellowship or like or like year-long program where you travel and do this and that and like every single one was like only took college students and I was like how does that make any sense when college students are like in school why are they the only ones that can 
do something that requires you to not be in school. I'm like so confused. Right. But like I was underqualified for every job that like had an actual thing on it. They were like, I had the degree, but like no one cared. I hate it here. I hate it here. It doesn't, it honestly didn't. I mean, I'm sure it made a difference that I had something that was structured, but it was still pure chaos. Like there is so little that is under your control. You do not realize how much you do not know whether or not people are like, quote unquote, there to support you. There's just like how much money you need to have up front to move out is ridiculous because it's like you can make your budget. It's like, oh, my monthly budget is this and it's that. But then you have things like, oh, security deposits. And like if you need a car, like the upfront cost for a car and insurance and like all these other like things that are contingent. I don't even know how to use that word anymore. (laughs) Contingent to like getting the things that you need you have to get things before that and those all cost money on top of but, the money yeah. you already budgeted. And you're not making money in college. No. And if you are, you're making dirt. You're making like enough to pay your cell phone bill, maybe, maybe. like on a good week. <laughs> <laughs> you're making enough for the iced coffee that you need to get through college. Honestly, I think I spent like half my tuition's money worth in iced coffee and I'm not proud of it. But I don't regret it. But, you know, yeah, can't take it back. (laughs) I remember the three coffees a day days and I drank all of that. Yeah. It was just to stay alive. You're just sitting on an empty stomach and a venti cold brew and you're shaking (laughs) and you're like, I've never been more alive. (laughs) I'm retaining so much information. You know, I know way more about Roman civilizations than, like, your average person, but, like, I honestly know nothing about, like, paying my taxes, so I don't I don't know where to place my energy anymore. <laughs> when we were talking about our parallel experiences, I find it really interesting, like, just because, like, we, like, not that we didn't talk, but we kind of reconvened, like, a year after graduation emotionally, <laughs> um, but it was really interesting because, like, watching us leave college, like, we were both like feeling the same way and like going through the same things. But in my brain, I was like, like a trash 22 year old with neon blue hair. And people asked me what I did for a living. I told them I make YouTube videos and that didn't seem to fly. Um, and then I'm looking at you and I'm like, she's in Teach for America, getting her master's and kind of already like established a new life. And I was like, it's fine. We're totally on the same page. It's fine. <laughs> Like, I was so jealous that you had, like, even though you hated it and you were like, I don't want to get a master's. This is really hard. I was, like, almost jealous that you had something that was hard because I was legitimately like, I don't want any of this. I was like, give me a job that is hard and I will do it. But I was like, my life is just hard now and my job is, like, ridiculous. I was like, but, like, help me. Clearly you have things that are hard. Maybe it's just the culmination (laughs) of things that are going on, but... You the know. grass is not greener, friends, <laughs> just because it looks like it is. It's fake. I find myself like in the years after, in the years, I'm one year out from college, <laughs> but I find myself like, like, I feel like everything they didn't teach you, you don't know they didn't taught you. They didn't taught you. Wow. <laughs> I did not go to school. You're doing great today. I think everything they didn't teach you don't realize they didn't teach you until it's happening. And that's kind of what life after college or like or even just your early 20s is like where it's just like things just happen to you and you have to keep figuring it out. And like I I don't know what level of like angry I can be at like people not preparing me like school systems and stuff. I don't know how much of a right I have to be like. Well, you should have told me this and you should have told me that. And like if I just had a class like this, I would have been okay. And then how much I'm just like, uh, no one owes you anything. Figure it out. Like I have like both mentalities and I'm like, help me. I think that's a good thing. I mean, like I feel like listeners, <laughs> you will quickly learn that both Kate and I, we we don't work well in gray areas. We scream <laughs> a lot when there is not a clear plan. We just are very big like I wouldn't even say control freaks, but we just need that control and we need the stability and we need people to tell us like, 
how to do things, when to do things, where to do things. And then we're like, great, I can excel within that. And honestly, that might just be a human being thing and not just like a, like, that's who we are as people we're thing. so quirky. Part of that comes into like your whole, like all the way until like you're out of college, people are, they tell you what to do and then you don't even have a choice really. Like my first school I went to, my parents made me go to that school. It was, I was, I graduated high school and I was told where I was going next. I didn't get to pick. And so- you fall into like that that trap or like that comfortable trap, even though you hate it. It's like that comfortable thing of like, well, someone's just going to tell me. Someone's just going to tell me. And like my dad was like, well, you should do this and you should do that. And like all through college. And then as soon as you graduate, they're like, all right, you have full reign over your whole life. Go. And you're like, but <laughs> you've been telling me what to do this whole time. So it's not even like I want to be told what to do. It's just like I never learned how to formulate my own life like because people just told me what to do and I eventually just grew to accept it and now I'm now they're going okay you make all your own decisions like my phone calls back home to my parents every like every time I call it's less and less helpful it's usually like it used to be like dad I don't know how to do this and he'd get involved and he'd call people and he would help me and now every single time it's like I'm sorry that sounds hard and I'm like oh no (laughs) I'm on my own help send help send provisions send groceries. Right. I think that's why this is about to get so cheesy, but I love that song <laughs> from Frozen 2 that Kristen Bell sings after. Oh wait, is this a spoiler? Mm, I'm just going to say the song. But I love that song that she sings, Do the Next Right Thing because literally that's l- all you can do in your 20s and in your life. But when somebody's not outlining something for you, you can only do the next right thing. And I think that's One of the things I'm trying to learn right now, my therapist the other day sent me, I was having a hard time. Right, my therapist. (laughs) I love her. Um, Shout out. We should all be in therapy if we can afford it um, and if it's accessible to us. But anyway, my therapist the other day sent me this quote that was like, that no one decision is going to necessarily like make or break you. It's that you just keep, you make a decision And from then on, you just make another decision and you make another decision. And like, it's okay. Like each decision you make, no matter how big or how small they feel, like it's just one decision in your life. It's just one decision. And then you have to make the next one after that. It's whatever that, whatever the repercussions are. And that's your 20s. Realizing that like you have to make all these decisions and then you just have to keep making them from whatever the repercussions are of that last one. And it is so exhausting. That's why all mm-hmm. the time I'm just like, I am tired. And then they're like, oh, go to go take a nap. And I'm like, I don't know. You experience a new like you can be tired in college. Like in college, I was like overworked kind of tired and yep. just constantly go, 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 which drained me physically and yep. like emotionally. But it is a new brand of tired when you <laughs> when you are on your own, like because you can work, work, work and do all this thing that's really hard. But like there is just so much time in between that where you're like, I'm exhausted of having to be like existing <laughs> is so exhausting. But also, spoilers aside, I want to talk about Frozen 2 because oh, I have seen that movie it. three times. Yes. <laughs> Because as a 23-year-old seeing Frozen 2 in IMAX, I sobbed. Let me tell you, I cried. Um, No, I I really like Frozen 2 because I always say like Frozen 1, like a lot, I always say a lot happened, like action-wise. It's very like engaging. There is like a lot of magic and all these things are happening plot-wise. And then in Frozen 2... I always say not much happens, but like so much is said is like why I liked Frozen 2. I feel like action wise, the plot's very like, like straight linear. Like this is a thing. They do the thing. They're done. And like you don't see a lot. But like at that time, Frozen 2 came out. I had a really big public thing happen where I worked and it was weighing on me super heavily. So I was in the spotlight in a bad way on the Internet for the first time in my life. I um, just put everything on the line. I had to move again. I was moving again into an unsure situation in a place I'd never lived before. And I also like this, I uh, ruptured a disc in my spine and was paralyzed for a week. It was like, these were like literally the two to three weeks right before I saw Frozen. And so I was like medically not okay, financially not okay, confused about everything. And then my boyfriend uh, decided he was no longer that. It was my also my birthday. 
It was also my birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy freaking birthday. And so I, I came home to Indiana unexpectedly to grieve my life. And I saw Frozen. And like Otto was sitting there talking to that guard. And she was just like, what do you do? And like, you think you have everything figured out or you at least know where you're going. And it just completely disappears. And he was just like, you just do the next right thing and you go forward. And I sobbed. Yeah. I was just crying and like Anna's like depression song that she sings, like when she thinks she's like lost everything. Mm-hmm. And she's like, just like trying to push herself up to stand up. And like, that's like the bare minimum she can do is just keep walking. And I was just like, help me. This children's cartoon is coming from my neck right now. <laughs> and that's my essay on why I think Frozen 2 is important to society. <laughs> They really, Disney's doing such a good job of making their message relevant to a wide age range. Oh, yeah. Little kids are like, oh, a princess. And I'm like, oh, my God, my depression. (laughs) There it is. In a pretty dress. Frozen 2, I will (laughs) die on this hill. That Frozen 2 is an important piece of, like, art. (laughs) It's for people who fall under that category of that tweet. <laughs> Did she see the tweet that was like, the 20s are fun until you realize. And that was the whole tweet. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I have realized. <laughs> okay, let me think about like different things that happen in your 20s. I think like a big one is like money. And uh, obviously, and I think the disconnect between like us and like people like financial advice from people that are older is that we're we're doing our 20s in a completely different economy that they're surviving in because they built themselves in a different economy. And uh, like I noticed like my grandmother, God bless her heart, <laughs> was talking to us because we were like like me and my siblings were all discussing our incomes and our jobs and what we were going to do next and houses. And she was like, you know, your generation is so obsessed with like money. It's all about money. You should like really reprioritize your life. You should not be like money isn't this money isn't that. And I was like, but it is though. I'm not saying like I care like all about money itself. I was just like, but for the past year, I have had money be the reason for so many bad things. Like literally just like not having a place to live. Why? Because you can't afford it. Like literally I had a real estate agent laugh in my face on the phone, well, on, laugh on the phone when I told him my, like my monthly income for a, I was applying for a no. studio, a studio apartment that I, I made, I think two times the rent or something, but most places you now have to make two and a half or three times the rent. Yeah. And, but I needed a transition. Like I was about to get, I could get a new job if I moved. But I told the guy my income and then I told him that I also do a lot of freelance and I said the word freelance and he said, no, you're done. He was just like, you can, he literally was like, you can't afford this. And I was like, this is a studio. <laughs> like, it's a box. Not a, it was like, it's a box and it was not in a desirable area. I was willing to go wherever. And he was just like, talk to me when you make more money. And he hung up. <laughs> And I was like, great. And then I'm like, and that was another thing with like therapy. It was like, I finally find some therapists. I couldn't afford any of them. And then I was like, great. So we can't get therapy to talk about financial struggles because I can't afford that. (laughs) Right. And even these places that are like, oh, we operate on a sliding scale, like depending Mm -hmm. on your income, like no where i literally can't you right out of that office (laughs) literally i asked for a sliding scale from one place and they said great for one session it'll be 500 up front and i said excuse me what scale are you sliding you slid it the wrong way i said slide it back And I'm like, and that's like another thing, like everything they don't tell you about. I'm making my doctor's appointments for the first time and trying to get my insurance to run and stuff. And they're like, this is on a sliding scale. And I'm like, on a who? <laughs> on a what? And like, like no who one has tells to you. slide? So I'm like on the phone on my left side, like talking to them about my options on a sliding scale. And I'm on Google searching what is a sliding scale. <laughs> like that's my whole life is people saying things at me and like why I simultaneously Google what they're saying. Right. That's <laughs> all it is. I don't want to even say this because like nobody is right now in the time of COVID, but like I feel like for where for being 23 in America, I am in a generally 
financially stable place. Like, I am a teacher, which we are infamous for not making enough money. And I will still stand by that and die on that hill when I look at my coworkers and everything they do outside of the school building where like, you're given a salary for what you do in the school building because you have to be in the school building for that many hours. Like that constitutes your 40 hour work week, which is too much. Let me just say 40 hours is too much. But then everybody knows that that is not where a teacher's job stops. You go home, you take those books home, you take those papers home, you take the things home that you have to grade, you take all of that straight home. And that, like my therapist was telling me yesterday, she's like, everything you do outside of that building decreases your salary. And like, am I making a livable wage? Uh, I guess technically not because when I go out and I'm doing all these things and I'm answering all these texts into 10 p.m., like, no, (laughs) the salary just gets decreased by the hour, by everything you do outside of those eight hours. See, yeah, I'm in the same situation where like, well, one of my main jobs, I'm technically paid hourly, but I get the same hours no matter how many hours I'm in office. And I work a couple jobs, so this is not directed at any one job, but I'm basically salary, but not paid like it's salary. And then that's what I like. That's why like what a lot of my employers don't understand is like they get mad when I don't answer a text message at like 8 p.m. at night. And I'm just like this text message I like is actually I have to think about it. I have to use my skills. I have to use all my knowledge on the subject to answer you, get in a conversation with you. I was like, I am now working. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've, I've fallen, I've fallen into that a lot of working off the clock technically. Cause they're like, well, we pay you a stipend. We pay you a fixed amount. So you'll do all this work. And I go, yeah. And I do it all during the hours that I've pledged to you. And then I, and then some, but like, stop texting me at 8 PM. I, I've often fallen into like people just treating me as like a paid asset that like they bought it like, and now it's theirs and they can do yep. whatever they want with it. And I'm right. like, no you're renting and you're not and like you're not quite renting to own so please stop crying (laughs) set your fucking boundaries set them right when you know them let them be a working document sure adjust them as you need to but like set your boundaries dude boundaries are such a big thing because you learn about that like growing up like boundaries and relationships boundaries with the people like they talk a lot about relationship boundaries but when you're like starting out and you want a job so bad, it is so easy to get taken advantage of. Oh, even if you're like, not me. I've been in so many situations where I was like, I really don't want to like take this work call or do this extra project because technically I won't be getting paid for it or like this and that. But I do it because if you don't, you're scared. The employer is like, well, I'll find someone that will. Right. Who will. Because right. we're in a, a work crazy success- society, a capitalistic society that values work so highly that like I found I do that all the time with especially with film and art stuff that I'm like well if I don't if I don't like give in to what they want if I don't do this like someone else will and then I just won't have a job because you're just like not a hard worker like Mm -hmm. a hard worker is defined as like no longer someone that comes to their job and is really good at their job it's like a person that like makes their job their life and then you're such a hard worker yeah. And I'm like, but now you have no life. <laughs> That's not healthy. That's not sustainable. It really is not. And like, I can't even talk. I could give all this <laughs> advice. I could just speak advice out loud, but it's going into the abyss because here I am like just two months ago, somebody caught me or two months. How long have we been in quarantine? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Since oh my gosh. March. It's <laughs> yeah. It's June and we went into quarantine in March in LA. So like, yeah, like Time early Mar- mid-March. Stopped. Yep. So Justin... January, I guess somebody caught me crying in the staircase, and I never pegged myself as the crying in the staircase kind of gal. But here I was crying in the staircase staircase. at my workplace. (laughs) Don't be that girl. I mean, you can cry, you can cry in the staircase, cry wherever you want. But like, if you can help yourself, if you can set a boundary, set a boundary and learn to say no before you say yes. That's something I'm learning to do now because nobody made me aware that that was something I could do, but learn to say no, or I will think about it before you ever nod your head. Do not nod your head. I'd be nodding my head for everything. And then I realized I just committed to another job and decreased pay. I was like, excuse me? 
I'm like, did I just accidentally? Oh no. Fire myself? <laughs> did I fire myself? I think I did. Oh my gosh. Did I just oh, demote myself with a flick of my neck? <laughs> oh no. Oh my gosh. Something else I want to talk about that is like not a niche experience. A lot of people do it, but like I know that you're a recent recently new to this, and then I got hit with this really hard last November. So if we remember my little breakdown around the time of seeing Frozen 2, where I had my life was falling apart, <laughs> and I moved, I moved into a place alone for the first time, like completely alone. And like, living alone is a whole different thing. Like, I mean, like alone, alone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, and then quarantine hits and you're alone alone. It's like So how was that for you pre-quarantine though? Did you like oh it? Oh my gosh. Pre so I was having a bad time, <laughs> some would as some would call it, as I call my major depressive order disorder, a bad time. Um <laughs> trademark. And I like I I just like a lot of things I love and hate living alone. It was like something I'm a very like extroverted codependent person and I fill my time with people and I like people to be there when I come home and like everything. And I was forced into a situation where I was going to get a roommate and that roommate couldn't move in for a while. So like it was like months of like you're going to be alone. And I was like mentally I I accepted it, but I had not quite put it, like felt it yet. And I was like it's fine. Everything's fine. La 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 la. And then I moved in alone and it was like that first week where I was trying to figure out how to buy and set up Wi-Fi. <laughs> and I ran out of data on my phone and I was just in the dark because I hadn't bought lights for my apartment yet because in LA, no one wants to give you lights on your ceiling. That would make too much sense. And so literally I was like sitting alone on a mattress in the dark with no Wi-Fi trying to get my phone to load so I could order like a modem and a router like just the saddest saddest time and it's like when everything's in boxes and you don't even own that much I think every piece of furniture in my living room was either free or like found at a goodwill um and it was just like I think like the shock of living alone like really hit and like it's like what it's like being alone is not the same thing, but like living alone initially is incredibly lonely. It's so lonely. Don't say and that. <laughs> you don't know what to do. And all of a sudden you're cooking yourself every meal and you're entertaining yourself all day. And you're just like trying to get your work done. And you're like, I'm so sad. <laughs> There's no one here. And none of my friends live nearby. So I like I couldn't visit anyone. And then I would say probably two or three weeks in of like living alone in a normal world and like well what we think is normal in a non-covid reality um it was a lot easier I started to like get the hang of it and then it was like the most in my opinion I die by this I think it's one of the most therapeutic things you can go through is total isolation <laughs> which is why when you were like I'm gonna be alone I was like I love that for you I was like you're gonna I hurt so that. bad and it's gonna be great um but yeah living alone like sucked it was terrible it was like every adult problem you had was heightened because there was no longer even a person to bounce it off of it was no. just kind of like you and your decisions and I tried to open a jar the other day and I swear to god I like spun around like looking for somebody to help me open the jar because I couldn't open the jar right I was like, oh, there's no one here like I electrocuted myself when I was home alone and I was like what if I had been incapacitated? I, I started to think as a 23-year-old yes. woman, I needed to wear a life alert. Like, <laughs> I genuinely think I should invest in a life alert because I can't be left alone. Me too. I oh started, and I think I told you this the other day, but like, um, so I've been disassociating for a while now because of like everything that's going on in my life, whatever, the blase about it because I'm disassociating. So um, I was in the shower the other day and I caught a glimpse of what I would be feeling if I were feeling connected to everything. And I sobbed so hard in the shower that I sent myself into a panic attack because of how little oxygen my brain I was getting. And then I thought to myself, who's gonna come get me if I die here in the shower? No one. <laughs> No one's coming. My emergency contact it's was my a, mom. She's was, in yeah, California. Was, 
my emergency contact lived like th- a three days drive away. Dang I was you. like, no one's coming to save me. And I know if I was hospitalized, my dad would take a good, hard, long look at the price of airline tickets before making a decision. I, I just know it. He would be like, well, are you like dying, dying? Or like, you just feel like you're dying? Like, do I really need to be there? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm a child. Uh, so the fun thing was that my emergency contact was my boyfriend, and I definitely trusted him to come and get me, like drop anything and come and get yeah. me. Yeah. But uh, here we are, boyfriendless, and <laughs> he's still here, and like he would still do it. And I don't think but, this like, is pride. I really don't think it's pride, but like I don't want to depend on him that way anymore. No, it's easy to I fall can. into. Yeah. Yeah, because I had the same thing where I I got out of like a really long relationship and like all these big like that was like that's kind of like the role the boyfriend was playing for me was like every time I was just not even just stressed or struggling or sad like that happens a lot. But like it was like when I am at my wits end and I don't know where to go next, it was like I had a hotline. Like I had like a person that would come in and be like, it's okay, it's okay, we're going to rationalize this. And then it was like better. And like. Oh, that is so easy to grow dependent on another person like that. But that was like the same thing is like I did the whole after a couple months of like no communication, tried to be friends with my ex. And like I immediately fell into the like, uh, like I'm comfortable. I could call on them for stuff, things. And it felt like so messed up. It felt so wrong. And like you don't. And also like you're dealing with a whole other thing. You're dealing with a breakup and a sensitive thing. And like you're like trying to create boundaries there and like get it to a healthy level of like not talking to them. So like, like when you're in your most vulnerable moments, you're like, I'm not going to bring them in on this. Like I just ain't. It's such an extra level of like loneliness and like isolation when you, oh my gosh, I don't know if how unique this situation is, but like I moved across the country and my boyfriend moved across the country to be with me. And I remember, remember, oh my gosh, why did that have so many syllables? I remember. And it's in my journal from last April where I was scared that like if we broke up, like I would be dependent on him and I wouldn't know what the hell to do anymore. And I wrote one sentence. I wrote, I do not want to feel loneliness compounded because I would already feel lonely being across the country away from everyone and everything I know but then I would have that one person who was like my link to like everything and everyone I had known and like be dependent on them but then they're gone and they are now gone so here we are facing our fears not here we are that's like a lot of things a lot of the things that you think in your head going "Ooh, if that were to happen that would be like the worst thing will happen like (laughs) those will happen and like on the comforting note like you will survive like Uh and you mentally know that but like you will be okay like there is another side of it but like oh my gosh does it feel like like as soon as you like when you start saying stuff like that out loud like I will be like defeated if like this one person isn't in my life like because I'm in such a vulnerable state and then it happens that's like what happened to me like I was like having though every trial in my life was just popping up and then it was like in this person that's been around for over like a year gone and I was like frick and like (laughs) and like I remember not to drag him but to drag him something he even (laughs) said to me was like I didn't want to break up with you because you're having such a bad time right now I didn't want to like leave you like that and I'm like how (laughs) and which almost lights a fire in you that goes like oh what do you mean I don't need you and you're like but shoot you right though like like you shouldn't have me but I think like it's so interesting because it's like kind of why we started this podcast and why we talk so much is like we have very like paralleling experiences and like you like went through a breakup right when quarantine started so like that was your form of like breakup to like being completely alone and then mine was like all these bad things break up and then like living completely alone while while trying to like get over my like all the bad things happened in my life trying to deal with those but now being completely isolated and it was like just getting thrown into the deep end of the pool 
and like <laughs> you you can swim eventually but like you're gonna like, like pop out that's a lot not of water even blown up. you're like trying to blow up your floaty as you're like yeah, drowning water keeps getting in <laughs> and you're like freaking help me man but on the positive side like I was saying like after weeks of living alone it was the most cathartic thing ever because like sometimes it's like that whole idea of like ripping off a band-aid or taking the hardest route to like grow it was kind of like if it was up to me I wouldn't have gone through a breakup during those things if it was up to me like I would have like if I did have to go through that breakup it would have been like when I had gotten my life back on track and then I could have handled it but Mm -hmm. it wasn't up to me and it was like here's the worst timing ever boom super hard thing and then like total isolation but like it forced me to be like I think I healed like faster than normal which is interesting because it's like eight months out and I'm still healing Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like in a in a big way but I think I would have been like remarkably slower in my recovery if I had not like just been forced to like sit with myself for like 12 hours every day conscious (laughs) and like like that sounds like the worst thing it sounds like the worst thing in the world. Like it they is. always say, like, distract yourself, be with friends, be with that. And I'm like, yes, stay social. That's important. But, like, I think I would have done a lot more distracting and I would have, like, been crazy busy at work and I would have just seen everybody constantly and I would have just delayed everything. But it was life was like, hey, you just went through an awful thing. Sit in it. And I was like, what? And it was like, sit in it. <laughs> And so, I don't know, I learned a lot about myself being completely alone. Would highly recommend people live alone, even if, like, it's just, like, a trial size, which is, like, if you can get, like, alone for, like, a month, like, that month would be transformative. (laughs) I did alone for a month. When I first moved here um, to New York, my roommate, like, came to drop some of her stuff off, but then she went straight back home because she still lives in New York, so she was, like... It was the summertime and we hadn't started school yet. So she was like, I'm not going to be there until like we have to actually be there because I'm going to work at my old job um, and live with my family. And I was like, "Okay." And I remember just sitting here in this room on a mattress that was on a piece of plastic that was on the floor and I had nothing else, no tables, no chairs, barely any food. There was like leftover hotel food which was like a boiled egg wrapped in (laughs) in a ceramic bowl wrapped in a napkin that were all taken from the hotel they were staying at they had left I was confused I oh my gosh and I'm gonna update my like description on tender to that like I am a boiled egg wrapped in saran wrap shoved into like I've never emotionally like related to like a statement more (laughs) but I savored that egg that was my only sustenance for like three days I was the egg I'm the egg. <laughs> it's hard. It is hard to live alone, but you learn so much about what Ugh. you can handle, about you just have to sit there and think. You have to. You have to try and open the jar. <laughs> you just have yeah, you to. You got to open the jar. You got to pay. You have to pay though. for everything. You have yes. to like, you pay for everything. You set up everything. You figure everything out by yourself. Oh, like yeah. you, when you feel sad, you come home to like, that was like a really important one that I think like the biggest thing I got out of living alone was like, when I have a really bad day, I'd come home to a friend or I'd go home to my boyfriend yep. and I had a person yeah. that would help me reflect, like bounce my feelings off of, get me to a place of healing. And I felt like I didn't realize that I didn't know how to do that for myself. Yeah, Like it was just like, Usually when I had a bad day, it was like, all right, when am I seeing someone next? When can I vent about this? And like now it was like I had like the worst day ever at work. And it it was like and I'm coming home to myself, (laughs) to the crickets. And so like after a while, though, that it was so cathartic because I'd come home like worst day in the world. And like I had learned how to take care of myself. So I was like, all right, we're having a bad day. What are we doing? And I would like get this stuff for myself. I'd cook my own meal and I'd do all this stuff and like clean and like sit down and they'll be like, there's such a different it's such a different type of gratification when like you take care of yourself in Mm -hmm. a bad time yeah just like you learn to self-soothe and I'm still learning how to do that but that's like a real thing people do I was like wow fancy that like you learn how to talk yourself down from a panic attack you learn how to breathe yourself out of an anxiety attack you learn like how to tell yourself a different narrative whereas like you would have relied on somebody else to do that for you but you have to 
tell yourself a different narrative in your head. You're like, this is not out of my control. I can still control what I'm doing. And like so much of the 20s is learning how little control you have, but also how much control you have. Yeah, it's kind of like your whole life you're told you don't really have any. Yeah. Or like it's everything that is in control. It's not your decision. And then all of a sudden they're like, all right, unleash chaos, but you get to make all the choices. And you're like, what? Yes. Like I pointed it out to some people and I was like, I'm like, tell me how you feel when you think about living alone. And like, they're always like, Ooh, ugh, gross. And I was like, yeah, exactly. But I know I can do it. Yeah. And I know I can be like, not just, not just survive it. I can do it and I can like flourish. And like now I can live with people again, but like when things go wrong, I don't fall back on those people. Like I can just live with them and coexist with them, but like take care of myself, which sounds so simple, but you really sometimes just don't know how to take care of yourself like at all. You'd be so surprised. Yeah. The things you don't know about like what self-care is and just like the narratives you let yourself slide into when you are by yourself. Like I always was like, no, I think I have like a very healthy self-image. I think I like like interact with the world in a generally healthy way for like who I am as a young person coming of age. But like (laughs) you'd be surprised at the narratives you let yourself you let yourself tell yourself when you right. just let them slip by like oh I'm not I'm not good enough like it slides in there it doesn't it's not like this it doesn't have to be this huge self-deprecating thing like it's just a voice in the back of your head all the time and you are blind to it until right. somebody calls it out it's like the men that slide into your dms but you don't have your notifications on yeah they're still there they're still there yeah i think like uh our next episode we're definitely gonna talk about uh dating and what that's like when you're younger and when you're older and oh my gosh long-term relationships ending online dating and all that comes with is just chaotic but that's gonna what we're gonna talk about the next time oh yeah Um, buckle up friends you might need a snack for that one (laughs) <laughs> maybe a glass of wine or two i know yeah and i'll just like to note that everything we say here is, is is as limited as our own life experience so um i mean anybody that is maybe even listening to this if someone even made it this far we'd love to talk about things because i'm always so interested because i like i can get on a pedestal and talk for hours and hours but like part of the reason i make youtube videos and i do like anything is like i want a conversation i want people to like answer me because I also think I can be extremely narrow-minded so I'm like okay here's all my thoughts based on what I just lived but like I'd love it if anybody listens to this like in any type of way want to suggest topics or like add to something we've said like we'll bring it up in an episode or we'll like talk to you on social media but like I think more than anything like the world doesn't need another podcast yet here we are but Mm -hmm. I do think the world needs more conversations and like that's what this is is I want to have a conversation I want people to talk about these things because these are like the super uncomfy things that people are all aware of, but no one's really like talking to each other about it. And maybe if we did, we'd not eliminate, but we'd lessen that uh, feeling of loneliness. Yeah. And there's so, there are so many podcasts um, that are from like researchers and therapists and people who are just generally even a couple years older or just out on the other side. So a lot of people are like speaking from the other side, like you'll get through this. I think our big thing was like, we're in it. (laughs) So we're talking from the fog. Yeah. And it's like that thing (laughs) where like you can tell someone like it gets better and like, but it doesn't help to hear that. So like I much rather than have someone that's been through what I've been through or like similar situations be like, you know what? Like, look at me now. Like it gets better. Like, that's nice, but I much more value my conversations with people that are like, oh, yo, same. I'm in it. And we're like processing it together. And we're (laughs) still, we don't have answers, but we have like discussions. And like those discussions lead me to my own conclusions. And like, yeah. So I like, I love and appreciate like researched like professional advice and like, Mm power and like wisdom with like age but like I just need to talk to someone that has no idea what's happening and I'll also be like yo I have no idea what's happening and then maybe we'll figure out what's happening (laughs) so what now (laughs) 